Lord, we thank you so much for being with us as we sit in our homes, as we maybe sit in a bed, as we sit on our couches, as we sit with our families, as we sit alone. Lord, we thank you that you are there. And Lord, I pray that in this service, on this holy day, that, that you quiet our hearts. As we talk about busyness, maybe there's even a busyness right now in our minds and in our spirits, and I pray that you'll help quiet us, that we can hear your voice, that we can sit at your feet and connect with you. In your name we pray, amen. I think for a great many of us, the normal uh, prior to COVID-19 can best be described in, in two words, over busy, over busy. I say over busy because I still am busy, and I'm sure that you are busy too. Even in the midst of the stay-at-home order, I am still busy. I still have Zoom meetings multiple times a week. Uh, some of you have them every single day. I am busy with new things like learning how to be a homeschool parent. And by the way, I tip my hat to, one, all teachers. But, but secondarily, I tip my hat to all parents that have made that choice to homeschool their kids. Uh, it is not an easy road, and so I, I honor you for that. We're, we're, we're busy with, I'm learning new uh, busyness with a greater role I play in, in, in helping around the house making sure that things are, are picked up and strained up each and every day. So I am busy. I am not bored. But I don't see myself as over busy. Now there's some of you that would still define your time even in the midst of COVID-19 as, as over busy. And hopefully you will hear this message and, and there will be some things in your mind that you can say, well, I could change this or I could adjust this. So while I'm still busy though, I do not feel like I'm in my old normal, which was over busy. And if over busy was your normal prior to COVID-19, then I would tell you and I would tell myself as well that we cannot afford to go back to normal. In fact, I would, I would urge each of us, please do not go back to normal. Over busy is not God's design or plan for any of us. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, if you have a Bible there or on your phone with you, Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to be reading in, beginning in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Now as they, this is speaking of Jesus and the, the disciples, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha is upset because, listen to me, Martha is upset because she is over busy. I say over busy because anytime we welcome people into our homes, anytime we welcome guests into our homes, there is a level of busyness that naturally will take place. 
But Martha is over busy. The Bible states that Martha is distracted by much serving. The New, Interna the New International Greek Commentary states it this way uh, about this, this word for distracted. The implication is that Martha wished to hear Jesus, so she desired to be where Mary was. Martha wished to hear Jesus, but was prevented from doing so by the pressure of providing hospitality. Martha wanted to hear Jesus, but, but there was a societal pressure that was on her that prevented her from doing that. And so she was over busy. The pressure of the need to do more is stressing Martha out. Raise your hand if you ever feel the pressure, maybe you're, that you put on yourself or that society puts on you to do more. We live, I don't know where you live, all of you that are watching, but if you are a member here of Spencerville Church, then you'll understand this. We live in a community where there is continually the pressure to do more. I'm sure it's that way in many other communities as well. Pastor Jason was sharing with me, and he gave me permission to share this, that, that, that they at times have been, have been almost criticized for choosing not to let their kids be a part of certain things. Not because they see those things as bad, but because they don't want their, their homes, their lives, their kids' lives to become over busy. That is a societal pressure. And Martha is feeling a similar societal pressure. And she is upset by this. She's, she's angered by this. And, and Martha does, now we can look at this story because we've heard it so many times and be judgmental of Martha, but Martha does what, what so many of us do when we are over busy. We look around and if others are not also over busy, we judge them and expect them to do more. Martha looks at her sister, Mary, and thinks she is lazy because Mary is not equally as busy as she is. So she says Mary's not doing what she should be doing. So she asks Jesus to intervene. But Jesus responds in a surprising way way. And you may say, well, it's not that surprising. Well, it's not surprising if you've heard this story, but if you live in our world now, and obviously if you lived in their world then, his answer would be surprising. It was surprising to their culture, and it is surprising to our culture. Because our culture, North America, uh, the United States, uh, the the DMV region in which we live, Spencerville church community and Spencerville school community, busyness carries a certain status. To be busy, in fact, to be over busy, carries almost a, a status. When was the last time, think about this, when was the last time that you asked someone what they have been up to. Hey, what have you been up to? And they said, I'm just sitting around a lot and thinking and learning about Jesus. When was the last time you asked someone and that's what their answer was? Even Jesus people, 
Even devout Jesus people would be embarrassed to say that in our culture. Hey, what have you been up to? You know what? I've just been sitting around a lot and learning and studying to grow more about Jesus. No, what do we say? Well, I've been going to this meeting and I went and served here and there. I am making sure my kids are doing this and that and, and in this activity and that activity. Man, I feel more like a chauffeur sometime than a parent. And there's almost like this mutual bond to talk about who's busy. We, we, we want to over-busy each other. I'm out-busying you. So Jesus' response is not only a surprise in the culture of Martha and Mary, but, but it is a surprise in our culture as well. Listen to what Jesus says to Martha. The Lord answered her. This is verse 41 of Luke chapter 10. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I like the way that the, the NIV states it. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Few things are needed. I want us to understand this text properly. Jesus is not condemning the act of being a good host or hostess. Jesus is not condemning serving others. This is a condemnation of doing too much. It's not a condemnation of being appropriately busy. It is a condemnation, condemnation of being overly busy. Let me paint a picture for you, and maybe it'll help even bring some further clarity to this, to, to what is being said here. Martha and Mary have some uninvited guests show up at their home. But even though the guests are uninvited, they are more than welcome. Martha and Mary love Jesus and the disciples, and they are grateful that they have chosen to stop by their house. Now, the disciples and Jesus have been traveling, and, and, and so they're, they're thirsty and they're, they're hungry. And Mary, she's just going to get everyone water and make them some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with some maybe some apple slices on the side. But, but Martha, Martha tells Mary that, that that is nonsense. And so Martha starts to put together uh, an amazing meal. She is working on an appetizer first, some, some hummus and some crackers all, all laid out nicely, some, some chopped celery to go with the hummus and the crackers and some, some carrots, some small baby carrots to go with the hummus and the crackers. She is making a, 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 a lasagna. Now it's maybe not the, the biggest lasagna, but it's still a very nice lasagna. Maybe special K-loaf. For those of you that are Adventists, you get that joke. If you're not, it just right over your head. That's okay. Lasagna or a special cave of whatever it is. And, and she wants to give them something good to drink, something fresh, something, something that, will, that will really enhance their palate. And so she, she's freshly squeezing oranges to make them the perfect orange juice. She also has to set the table and put out the good china because Jesus and the 12, they can't hold plates on their laps Jesus and the 12, they definitely can't eat 
off of paper plates or, or drink out of plastic cups. Oh, and they'll, they'll also need dessert and a fresh garden salad and the rest and more and more. Y'all, we would have never had this story in the Bible if Martha had just given them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, apple slices, and water in a plastic cup and food on a paper plate. Now, I'm not condemning doing nice things, but, 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 but hear this, folks. She is distracted with too much serving. It wasn't that she was being a good hostess that was wrong. It was that she was going and doing too much. Maybe you don't believe me. Listen to these words from Ellen White from the book Our High Calling. She writes, This reproof of Christ, listen to this, this reproof of Christ comes to many Marthas in our time. They lose much spiritual and divine knowledge that would make them wise unto salvation through their bustling activity to do so much in temporal things. Now we know temporal things are things that that aren't necessarily bad, but they don't have eternal value. By doing so much in temporal things. It doesn't say that we shouldn't ever do temporal things, but doing so much in temporal things. Continuing the quote. And the temporal things specifically in regards to Martha, to shower favors upon those whom they love. Martha was so anxious, this is a quote still, was so anxious for all due honor to be given to Christ that in her active preparations in provision of food, she lost the most precious golden moments of listening to instruction from Jesus' divine lips. Now let me address the ladies, and I say ladies because I believe in many homes this burden falls more upon you. And maybe then you can relate even more so to what Martha is, is experiencing here. Have you hosted people at your house and done everything just so with all the great touches and everyone is laughing and everyone's enjoying the food and everyone's enjoying the fellowship and everyone's enjoying the beauty of, of, of the settings and the beauty of the moment. And at the end of the night, at the end of the event, you find yourself a little irritated because now you look around and you have all this mess to clean up and you think about the the party and the event and you realize that you never actually got to sit down and talk to anyone that was there and, and it seems even that some of the people that were there didn't really appreciate all the actual hard work that you put in to making this event possible maybe your own husband doesn't even appreciate fully all that you have done. That is Martha in this moment. And Jesus is telling Martha, Martha, I would have been cool with peanut butter and jelly on paper plates if it meant that you could have just sat with me and spent some more time with me. Of course Martha was busy. There were people at her house, but Martha was over busy. And many of us are over busy, and even more of us were over busy prior to COVID-19. I would in fact guess that for the majority of us, normal prior to COVID-19 was over 
busy, over busy. Let me, from this passage, make three quick, quick points, just in case you're not sure if you were over busy or not. Let me make three quick points so you can know if you were over busy prior to COVID-19, or maybe if you are still over busy. Point number one from this passage. You start to look around and you think you are busier than everyone else. That is what Martha did. She, she looked around and started to judge those. In this case, in particular, her sister Mary. She's doing all this work. She's working so much and she looks around and she goes, you know, that person isn't working as hard as I am. You know, that person is taking a longer lunch than I take. If you do this, you might be over busy. You know, most people I know aren't actually lazy. Now, there are lazy people in this world, I understand that, but, but most people I know aren't actually lazy. So, so if I start to think of someone as lazy, maybe it's not that they are lazy, but maybe it is that I am sinfully over busy. And rather than looking at them and say, they're not doing enough, maybe I need to look at me and say, am I doing more than I should be? Am I over busy? Point number two, you might be over busy if you let the simple tasks of life become areas in which you are losing your peace and your connection to calmness. To quote Ellen White, written in the Review and Herald 116 years ago this month, which is now the Adventist Review, of course, she wrote, Martha had let the cares of the household disturb the peace of her soul. Just the everyday tasks of, of, of the house had become so great that, that, her, that her soul was disturbed. Her soul was not disturbed because there was a major crisis going on in her family. This is not about Lazarus, her brother, when he died. Her soul was not disturbed because, because there was, there was an, a sickness in her own life. Her soul was not disturbed because of, of lack of financial uh, uh, abilities. Her soul was disturbed because of household chores. You might be over busy if the general everyday tasks of life are taking the peace out of your soul. And the third sign that you could be over busy is that in all that you're doing, you don't really have space. And your family doesn't really have space. And, and if you're married, you and your wife don't really have space. And if you have kids, your kids don't really have space in your life, in my life, in our lives to hear from Jesus. Melvin Tinker wrote it this, stated it this way, the problem with Martha is that in all her busyness, she has placed herself outside the sphere of hearing God's word. In all her busyness, she has placed herself outside the sphere of hearing God's word. These are three indicators that I think we can get from this text to analyze whether or not we are over busy or whether or not we have been over busy. We judge as others and whether or not they are keeping up with us. We have anxiety over everyday activities, the basic everyday activities. 
And three, there is no spiritual space for Jesus. Our normal, normal for most of us, has been over busy, and we've been living with those three characteristics. I can say it about myself, I can say it about people that I know, and I bet you can say it about yourself as well. Not appropriately busy. Everybody in this world now is, it seems like, but overly busy. So what do we do about it? You know, I found the time in, in COVID-19, I found the opportunity to think a bit more uh, than maybe I was thinking as I was jumping from thing to thing to thing prior to COVID-19. And I've come to some realizations about the busyness in, in my own life. And, and maybe you can relate to it as well. And maybe as I, as I share this with you, you can relate to, to this truth in your life as well. You know, most of the time when we, when we talk about being too busy or, or when we preach sermons about, um, about having more time for God, we immediately go to the easy moral chastisements. We especially do this with our young people. We condemn our young people. I know I've even talked about some of these things. Too much TV, too much screen time, too many video games, uh, whatever else it may be. Cell phones, tablets, computers, all these things. Those are, those are the easy defaults. And, and while I believe that we probably do have too much of those things, as I've been thinking about busyness during this time of COVID-19, and in the framework of this passage in Luke chapter 10, I have come to realize that what often leads to over-busyness in my life and maybe in your life as well, over-busyness which is damaging to my relationship with Jesus and damaging to your relationship with Jesus and damaging to my family's relationship with Jesus and damaging to my wife's relationship with Jesus and damaging to my kids' relationship with Jesus. The, 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 the greatest cause of over-busyness is the good. Not the easy moral chastisements, but the good. The good things I do in my life. What did Ellen White write? Many are under the reproof of Christ because they are trying to shower favors upon those whom they love. Showering favors upon those whom they love, does that sound like a bad thing? It sounds like a very good thing. I watch parents and they scramble from here to here to here and they're, 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 they're mentally fried and they're, they're pulling their hair out and they say, well, I just want my kid to be able to enjoy all these things those are, that's a good desire to, to bless your kids and have them be able to be involved, but, but does that good go too far? Have we gone too far in that? Or what about the other line? Martha was so anxious for all due honor to be given to Christ. Does that sound like a bad thing? To give honor to Christ? But both these good intentions lead Martha to the sinful living of being over busy. You know what? If I, don't, if I don't serve on these seven committees, then I'm not doing my duty for Jesus. Whoa. Maybe Jesus just wants you to serve in this one area, and that's good. There are a few lines from one of my favorite books, uh, Screwtape Letters, by, written by C.S. Lewis. And, and Screwtape Letters is, 
is, is written from the perspective of an older demon telling a younger demon how to lead humans into sin. And this older demon is trying to, to, to coach this other demon in how to lead uh, human, humanity into sin. And so that's, that's the perspective this book is written from. And, and I love how, how insightful it is. But there are a couple lines that I, that I thought applied from that book that I thought applied to the good being one of the greatest obstacles to our relationship with Jesus. Here's one from the screw tape letters. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Do you understand what that's saying? That's saying that, that, that the devil will get you by a lot of good little things that just subtly move you away, that slowly edge you away from Jesus into the, to the nothing. And then a second quote that I think is, is very good. And remember, this is an older demon writing to this younger demon coaching him on how to get humanity. And he says, a moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all. In other words, the devil doesn't care. Satan does not care. He is more than fine to use the good to drive us away to Jesus. If you let him use the bad to drive you away from Jesus, he'll do that. But, but he's more than fine with using the good to drive you away from Jesus. So I want to confront the good in our lives today. I want us to think about the good things in our lives that might be pulling us away from the most important things of connecting to Jesus. I'm going to start with us right here at the church because this is something we've been talking about. We as a staff realized that many things we were doing prior to COVID-19 was over busyness without purpose. And what do, I, what do I mean by that? I mean without purpose in this, that many gatherings, many committees, many of these things were doing very little or nothing at all in some cases to help prepare us or others for the soon coming of Jesus. To help prepare us or others for the soon coming of Jesus. I was in a meeting uh, here at the church just, just maybe a week before uh, we, a week before we went into this mandatory stay-at-home order. And we spent nearly two hours in that meeting talking about announcements from the pulpit and other events that we should be holding. I feel like if you've ever seen Allen Iverson, uh, he was a basketball player, and someone asked him a question about practice, and he said, practice? We're talking about practice. That's how I wanted to be in that meeting. Announcements? We're talking about announcements. I cannot believe that we spent all that time. And I even had some people write me and say, why do we go and talk so much about announcements? We realize that, that, that this, is, this is an error, this is, a, this is a problem within our own church. That we've kept people busy, over busy. 
but not always with the purpose of moving them closer and closer to Jesus and connecting to Him. When everything opens again, I pray we don't go back to doing church as usual. I pray that we don't go back to normal. I want us to focus on only having meetings and only gathering when there is an absolute need and it moves the ball forward. It moves us closer to our Lord and Savior and it, and it, and it helps prepare us more and more for the second coming of Jesus. In fact, my dream is that one day we, w- we may be able to ask the majority of our members, you know, outside of the, the general business of the board or the finance or those things, but, but to the majority of our members, I would love that we say, here's the two things we want from you as a member of this church. We want you either to be a part of a Sabbath school class or we want you to be a part of a small group. And then the second thing we'd like from you is that in some way on Sabbath you will serve the church body, whether in the children's ministries or in the youth or in the choir or the his teams or diaconate or whatever it may be. And then out of those small groups and out of those Sabbath schools, all member care happens, all, all neighborhoods and communities are served and, and evangelism moves forward. When we went into COVID-19, we had this realization that, that there's so many people that are not connected with our, in our church to anybody. I love it that if this ever came back again, that we could know, you know what? Everybody is connected either to a Sabbath school or to a small group and someone will be looking out for them. I'd love for us never to have to go back to meetings just for the sake of meetings. No committees that meet for two hours and leave without any actual decisions made that move us closer to Jesus. A simpler church for the purpose that families have more time for Jesus and more time for each other and more time to do actual, practical, hands-on ministry for Jesus. More chance to do indeed the one thing that matters most, to learn of Jesus. When everything opens up again, I pray that as a school community that we think about our mission. Is our goal to keep kids busy? Is our goal to keep our our young people busy or to help them understand how to live in every area of their lives in balance with Jesus? You know, we've, we've taken that, that statement too far, idle hands are the devil's toys or whatever it may be. And we said, as long as we keep the kids busy, then somehow we can keep them in church. Well, guess what? That's not true because seven out of 10 are leaving. Keeping kids busy is not gonna keep them, but keeping them in balance with Jesus Christ in their hearts will carry them into eternity. I don't know how we do this, but it's something we should think about. I was listening to uh, Patrick Lencioni, and Patrick Lencioni has a company called The Table Group. And Patrick Lencioni, for those of you who don't recognize that name, is, is one of the foremost experts on, on, on business consulting and, 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 and managing and leading teams and driving them forward on vision and mission. And he's written several books, Death by Meeting, The uh, the Extraordinary Executive, all these books. If you're in the business world, I would almost guarantee you've read something of Patrick Lencioni. But I was listening to him on a podcast and he was talking about some of the things that he was really enjoying 
in this time of COVID-19. He said, one of the things I enjoy is that, that all my meetings are at home. So even though I still have a lot of meetings, I'm still able to pause and go downstairs and eat with my kids at lunch or eat with my kids at, at dinner time or whatever it may be. But he said, what I've discovered, and he was talking about his own family, and he has four sons. He and his wife have four sons. And he said, what, what is the best part of this whole thing and he, hopes, and he said, and I hope that we never go back to what we were doing before. He said is that now we're eating together every day. We're talking more. We're playing games together. We're going on walks together. He goes, my kids are, are reading books more than they had before. And he said, and the thing that I see that is the biggest change it's not that they're not going to school because they all still are in school, he said. The biggest change is he says, I realized that youth sports, youth sports was dictating every aspect of our family's schedule. And he said, and I hope we don't go back to that. Now, of course, each family has ultimate control over this. But when he said that, I thought to myself, do we as a community of faith have a responsibility to not make people choose between eight hours of sports a week and, and a few extra hours with Jesus and with their, with their families? He discovered this, this space for the family to eat more together, to talk more, to, to go on walks more, is mainly because they aren't driven by the calendar of sports. Is this analysis that Lincioni has made in his home of a good thing maybe becoming too much analysis that we need to make in our homes and in our communities as well? And not just with the good of sports, but, but all our good extracurricular activities. What are our ratios of, of over-busyness versus appropriate busyness? With space left to do those one things that are necessary, that bring us to the feet of Jesus. Has COVID-19 given us the opportunity to look fresh at what we have become and ask the question, are we doing the one things that continually give us the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him? Not even saying that we get rid of the good, but maybe, just maybe, Jesus is calling all of us to do less of the good. Martha, thank you for the food. I'm grateful for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the apple slices. Because now you have time to sit and to visit with me, Martha. What of the good what of the good in your life? What of the good in my life? What of the good in your church community? What of the good in your school community? What of the good in your work? Can you put aside and say, I don't need the special K-loaf. Peanut butter and jelly is acceptable so I can spend more time doing the one thing they will never be taken away from me, learning at the feet of Jesus. Let us pray.
Jesus, we thank you for the blessing of time, Lord, but so often we don't use the time rightly. And so often we are doing a lot of good things. And we think because they're good things that that's what we are supposed to do. But Jesus, are you telling us through this story and in this, in this time of reprieve when we've had more space to be families together, when we've had more space to, to reach out to our fellow church members and call and check in on them, in this time of, of space that we've had to do projects as a family and, and, to, and to, to read more and to study more, in this time of space, are you calling us to reanalyze our lives And are you asking us, please don't go back to normal, but do more of the one thing that can never be taken away from you, learning from Jesus and growing more and more ready to meet him, meet you when you return. Jesus, speak to us and convict us, I pray. Seal the conviction on our hearts. Help us not to get defensive. If we're defensive in this moment, please, Jesus, just lift that. And help us to analyze what you would have the Spirit say to us now. In your name we pray. Amen.